as a medical doctor, as a vaccine expert, in theory, everyone should get a booster. Dr. Jonathan Bakhtari. You can see it. I mean, it's crystal clear. I think it's going to really revolutionize things. Which is a big game changer. All information discussed or provided by Jonathan Bactari, MD, Dr. Bactari, and or his affiliates and guests are for educational purposes only. The information discussed and provided is not a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health providers with any questions you may have regarding a medical concern or condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of any information discussed or provided by Dr. Bactari or his affiliates and guests. If you think you may have a medical emergency, call 911 immediately. Welcome back to another episode of Bakhtari MD. And today we've got a really interesting show. Today I want to talk about the Delta variant. I want to talk about the role of booster shots and about the new normal. When we first started out, we thought that this virus, the COVID-19 virus, would potentially not mutate like it has. And that if we got 70, 80% of the country and the world either vaccinated or or had natural immunity from previous infection, that we would not eradicate, but pretty much get rid of COVID-19 virus as we know it. And that was the game plan. What's changed? I think, well, what's changed, number one, is we didn't really get the world vaccinated fast enough, and we still haven't. And I think that left the breeding grounds for variants to occur. As we've talked about in previous videos, variants tend to come along at a higher rate when they can replicate in large, large numbers of people, creating billions and billions of copies in each person. Eventually, a mutation occurs, an error occurs, which gives the virus an advantage. And because of that, we have more and more chances of mutations occurring, and the virus did mutate. The variants changed, and also I think the data coming out from uh, some of the vaccine manufacturers that the antibodies levels tend to drop potentially after six months. And when you combine the antibody levels dropping and new mutations on the spike protein on the new variants, that making it less susceptible potentially to the protection we have from antibodies or from previous natural infection. That really is painting the scenario that we may not be going to zero COVID anytime soon. What does that mean for us? Well, the one thing it definitely means for us is I see a world where boosters are going to be involved. If we're going to make the argument that antibodies wane after six months, either from natural infection or from the vaccine, you really make an argument for getting a booster after six to eight months to get the antibody levels up. As we know with COVID-19, there's two ways the vaccines help you. One is by creating antibodies towards the virus, and the other way is by also what's called cellular immunity, which is activating T cells, killer T cells, that will eventually attack the virus. But we know antibodies plays a big part. And if those antibody levels drop after six to eight months, then the argument's going to be made to get boosters. Now, what's really not known is, do we get boosters every six months? Or will the third booster jettison us to a level where we don't need boosters for many years or, or or maybe even a lifetime. There are many other vaccines. Look at polio. You know, there's five shots of polio. So 
polio is one where you need five to get the immunity. So we don't know with COVID if two only lasted six months, three may last 18 months. We don't know. We don't know if three will last another six months, another 18 months, another 36 months. But that possibility is there that we will have to get more and more boosters until we reach a certain booster number that will be adequate for lifelong immunity. Or the other variable is, will the virus keep changing that even if the vaccine was good for lifelong immunity, will the virus change enough that we'll have to get a new vaccine or a new version of the vaccine? So more than likely, it's going to be a combination of both. We're going to probably need boosters, and then we're going to need vaccines that are multivalent, just like with the flu shot. If you got a flu shot this past year, you've got a quadrivalent flu shot, and it used to be a trivalent flu shot. Now it's quadrivalent. And what does that mean? That When you get a trivalent flu shot, that means they're giving you a vaccine for three different strains of the flu virus. When you get a quadrivalent flu shot, you're getting a vaccine that covers four different strains, where in our case, they're not strains yet, they're variants, but it's the same idea. We know Moderna and Pfizer have been working to come out potentially with a multivalent version. And once they create that, you know how necessary will it be? I think what Pfizer and Moderna are now looking at is while the protection for Delta variant is starting to drop from some preliminary data, will the booster shot be enough to get the Delta variant under control? Or will they have to come up with a whole new multivalent booster that includes the Delta variant and Lambda variant and the next Greek number that comes up in a booster shots, just like they do with the flu shot to address those? The jury's out. That's the next thing we're gonna find out in the next six months. Will the third booster shot be enough to take care of Delta? Or do we have to pull out the multivalent boosters? That's the next thing on the horizon. So let's talk about the Delta variant. Uh, There's a lot of questions people keep asking me. And here's the thing. The data on the Delta variant is emerging. That means we don't have all the information. But let me tell you what we do know. Certainly what we know is that the Delta variant, number one, is more contagious. That means if you get infected, and in the United States, 93% plus now is a Delta variant, let's call it 100%. If you get COVID tomorrow, you will have the Delta variant. And unlike their original strain or variant, where if you got infected with it, you will probably infect two and a half other people, let's say, and that number could be slightly this way or that way. But with the Delta variant, you're probably going to infect maybe six to seven other people. And why is that? The reason for that is because the Delta variant is more contagious, which in layman's terms, I would just imagine if you're going to cough the Delta variant into this room, it's going to be more sticky. It's going to bind to someone easier, quicker, and even with less viral load. It's just more infectious. You know, I think we've all seen movies of some contagious disease, a virus that, you know, just spreads from one person to another. And what Delta really means is simply that. It's more likely if you have someone six feet away from you with the, and you had the original variant versus the Delta variant, you're much more likely to infect that person now than with the original strain. 
and it's just more infectious. So that's number one. That's what we know about the Delta variant. There's some reports that the viral load, so if you get infected, you're just going to have more of it in your throat and in your mouth. And so the viral load is bigger, which of course is hand in hand with it being more infectious. So that's what we know. Whether it makes you sicker, there's some preliminary data, but we're not sure it's going to make you sicker. Is it possible that it's just infecting so many more people that out of those groups we're seeing sicker patients because there's more people are getting, so the number of sicker people are more. I'm not sure the percentage is more, if that makes sense. The best testament to that is, you know, we see more and more young people getting sick, but is it possible that the Delta variant is so contagious that one young person can infect even more younger people, let's say, and cause more young sick people to be very sick? And that's that really that number is out. Uh, my suspicion is the Delta variant may not make you sicker. It's just going to make more people sick. So in totality, you'll have more sick people. The other thing about the Delta variant is, you know, does it cause more asymptomatic cases? That may be true, or maybe now that the younger population, which is the main group that's not vaccinated, since there are many, many more cases, and we know younger people tend to have more asymptomatic cases. We knew that with the original variant. Is that why the Delta variant is is producing more asymptomatic cases? And you got to remember, you know, we really have now the unvaccinated versus vaccinated population. And the Delta variant currently, as it stands now, is a pandemic of the unvaccinated, right? I mean, yes, there are breakthrough cases and, and those may grow. But for, for what we've seen for the most part, up until very recently, the Delta variant is a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And if you look at it that way, and it's more infectious, so obviously you can see why you might see more sick people as a, as a sheer number. In terms of will the Delta variant grow and grow and break through the immunity we got from the current crop of vaccines, that data is starting to emerge. And that data is starting to show, yes, that the, our current two shots of, the, for example, the mRNA vaccines may not have the original 95% efficacy. That number may have been reduced to what we're about to find out as we look at more and more data. Let's talk about vaccine boosters. Who should get a booster? As a medical doctor, as a vaccine expert, in theory, everyone should get a booster. First of all, there's no theoretical downside to it. If you've tolerated the first two doses, <laughs> there's minimal chances you're you're going to have a, a worse side effect on the third. We know that from vaccine medicine. If you've tolerated your first hepatitis B shot or your second hepatitis B shot, you're going to for sure tolerate your third hepatitis B shot. In vaccine world, we know that the chances decrease the more you've taken the same vaccine over and over in terms of having a side effect. So we know then it's unbelievably safe for people who've had two doses and have had no problem. So why not give everyone a third dose when there's really a good argument to be made that the third dose will protect you potentially more and get your antibodies levels back up to protect you against the Delta variant. In a perfect world, there would be no reason not to give everyone who's gotten the first two doses a third one. So why aren't we? Well, I think there's multiple arguments. From a public health point of view, 
I think they're still trying to get everyone to get the two doses and will this take the eye off the ball by now starting to talk about a booster. Of course, there's the economics of it, you know, giving someone a third shot, you know, it's going to cost money. And lastly, you know, the world of equity, you know, how equitable is it going to appear if we as a society say, oh, well, let's give everyone a third shot to get the numbers back up to 95% in theory, while a certain percentage of the world has got none. And I think where the rubber meets the road, those are the things. But in a, in a perfect world where there was ample supply, everyone should get a booster shot today. Okay, now I'm going to go into some of the more common questions I get asked by the press, friends, family, about the booster shot for the COVID-19 vaccines. So uh, one of the questions I ask is if I, my first two doses were Moderna, can I get the Pfizer and vice versa? Uh, well, first of all, I don't think the pharmacy, when you show your card for the first two, is going to let you get something different. So that's number one. But if you're asking the question theoretically, I could answer that. And theoretically, it probably would be okay in the sense that you're generating antibodies. And maybe in some level, it might be better because if you assume there's even a slight difference in the antibodies that Moderna versus Pfizer can create versus Johnson & Johnson, there could be some theoretical advantages to getting an antibody that's slightly different. But it's kind of a moot point because I think you'll have to probably get the same one. You won't have a choice. Okay, so a lot of people ask me, is the booster shots for the Moderna and Pfizer different than the original? Or is it really like a different thing, a different booster shot? And the answer is, it's the same. You're getting the exact same dose of the exact same vaccine. And this is kind of a technical thing. What's a booster? Like when you look at a measles series and it's two shots or old days when you got hepatitis B and three shots, they didn't refer to the third hepatitis B shot as a booster. They just said it's a three-shot series. It's only a booster until it becomes a series, if that makes sense. And when you don't know, each additional dose is a booster until you get lifelong immunity, right? So there are many vaccines that we started off with one, went to two, went to three, went to four, went to five. And then we, oh, after we said, oh, after five, it provides you lifelong immunity. Oh, so now it's a five-shot series. It was never a series until they finished giving you all the boosters to make it a five-shot series or a three-shot series. Does that make sense? So you may be thinking you're getting a booster today, but you're really potentially getting a three-shot series. So the next thing I want to talk about is this brave new world we're entering. I think when we started this pandemic, everybody thought, okay, we'll come up with a strategy, we'll lock down, mitigate, social distance, we'll find a vaccine, we'll eradicate COVID-19, and it will be 2019 all over again. But unfortunately, it didn't work out the way we wanted because most of the world didn't get vaccinated in time. We had variants pop up, the virus is not as stable as we thought. It does mutate more than we th originally thought, a la the Delta variant. And of course, Lambda and whatever Greek letter comes after that. So now we have to face reality. We are facing a new world. I'm going to tell you to you straight, we're probably not going to get to zero COVID. And we're going to have potentially a many-year strategy dealing with COVID-19. 
And I think the first thing I always want to say in whatever new normal is, the most important thing in any new normal is number one, we know who the COVID-19 virus goes after. It goes after the elderly, it goes after people with comorbidities. And the number one thing in dealing with the new normal is to take care of them. Whether it's a booster, whether it's a, a new Delta booster vaccine, that group needs to get it first. And as long as we can protect that group, the death rate from COVID should be very similar to the flu virus if we exclude that population. You know, some of the death rates of like 20, 25% in anyone over 80 unvaccinated, you know, that tells you how those elderly really suffer. And if the COVID-19 is going to be around for a long time, we cannot take our eye off the ball. Okay, even before lockdowns and restrictions and social distancing, masking, which are all very effective, but the most effective thing is to take care of the vulnerable because the mortality rate on the non-vulnerable younger population, I'm not saying it's something we should be happy about, but it's tolerable. It's not tolerable when you include people who are elderly and have comorbidity. That has got to be part of our strategy in the new normal. Okay, so taking care of them with early boosters, newer boosters, and doing everything we can to, to mitigate their impact from COVID should be a, a priority for society. After we get that under control, then dealing with COVID in the younger population is another strategy we need to have, which is potentially, you know, annual COVID-19 shots, potentially depending on how long immunity lasts from, you know, three or four or five shots and whether reinfection actually occurs in people who've been infected and have gotten multiple doses. So that jury's up, but we have to be thinking about possible booster shots, potentially seasonally, maybe every few years, depending on how the variants, how many new variants come out and how long the immunity from infection and the immunity from even three doses of the vaccine lasts. When viruses mutate, and basically you have to understand the genetic code of a virus comes from essentially four building, four nucleic acids. Okay, that's the whole language of, for the most part, DNA and RNAs, four nucleic acids. And when you replicate, it's sort of like trying to build, try to bake a cake with the same recipe, but you have to bake billions of cakes. Okay, as you're making more and more cakes, eventually you're going to leave out the sugar. Eventually you're going to add too much flour. And that might make the cake taste a whole lot better or a whole lot worse, okay? And you're going to say, wow, cutting the sugar in half or cutting the flour in half or, you know, the apple sauce or whatever in half really made this cake better or worse. That's what happens to a virus when it replicates a billion times. It's got these four building blocks that needs to replicate in a choo-choo train and say, okay, there's an A here. I need to produce, you know, a T there. These are nucleic acids. And sometimes it makes a mistake. The amazing thing is the vast, vast majority of these mistakes doesn't change the 
morphological structure of the protein that it's coding for. And so it doesn't matter. And if it does matter, it usually hurts the virus and it becomes less infectious. But every once in a while, the mutation helps the virus. And that survival advantage is what makes it then become more dominant because it has something the original strain didn't have. So if you want to look at the Delta variant and and the changes that occurred, and the the Delta variant had multiple mutations that gave it an advantage in terms of its ability to bind and replicate in its next host. So, and and the fact that it was more infectious, well, if the old variant can only infect two and a half people, and this variant can infect seven people, you can eventually understand why that would become the more dominant strain over time. You know, in the United States, we saw literally a doubling of the percent of cases that were Delta every week or two. So it started off with five, now 10%, then 20, then 40, you know, then 80, literally almost two weeks apart. And that's simply from the mathematics of it being more contagious. And that's a really a function of how that mutation gave it a survival advantage. Not only a survival advantage, but an ability to infect more people. And so that is how a virus actually is able to, to get, get better penetration with mutations. We already know the coronavirus, which makes up, you know, up to one-third of all common cold infections in the United States, mutates very well. That's because and, and the immunity from it doesn't last. Because you've gotten coronaviruses, you know, maybe every other year for a good part of your life. And so it's an upper respiratory virus that mutates. This whole idea that it's going to mutate is not that surprising for a coronavirus. I mean, where the origins of the original strain came from, that's, yes, I, I, I agree that it is a very virulent coronavirus. It's very toxic and makes people sick and die. In that sense, it's very novel because most coronaviruses just give you a cold. The original SARS virus in 2003 and the MERS virus in 2012 were very lethal, but for whatever reason, infected a small group of people and then just went away. I think what makes COVID-19 virus different is that it didn't go away after infecting only a handful of people and is much more contagious. And the mortality rate is very, very high, obviously compared to a cold virus, very, very few people die from a coronavirus cold infection versus you saw, yeah, 20, 25% of 80 year olds die from this. So yeah, I think if it's novel, it's novel in the original strain. The mutating, I can understand and wrap my brains out because, you know, you you keep getting coronavirus infections year after year. You know, I say you, I mean, the general public. And so I, I can see that. And so the question is really, do face masks help? I mean, broadly speaking, yes. And it tends to help if you're the one infected more than if to prevent you from getting infected more. So in other words, if you have COVID-19 and you cough, you know, we would like all those larger droplets to be caught. <laughs> On balance, you can make an argument that it helps. The question is long-term, 
can society live with masking and social distancing? That's really a difficult question to answer. I think the better solution is to obviously protect the vulnerable as new strains come out as quickly as possible, you know, come out with new booster shots. One of the interesting things is when you look at, you know, the flu shot, which comes out with a new version every year with, you know, multivalent flu shots that cover the current strains for that year, they don't go out and get FDA approval as though it's a whole new vaccine, right? Because that would be impossible. So that's the world I see happening with, you know, eventually that, you know, even though Pfizer got the FDA approval for this, will it eventually get to the point where they can come out with a new version of it without getting FDA approval and doing large clinical trials, which is what's happening now, you know, for them to come out with a new version for the Delta variant, you know, what will the FDA ask them to do? Will they ask them, okay, get us another 40, 50,000 people that has gotten this version of the vaccine? Or will the approval they get for the first version cover them for future tweaks for the variants? And that remains to be seen if the FDA will allow them to treat it like the flu shot, or if the FDA will say, no, this is a new vaccine for a new variant. We need the whole kid and caboodle all over again. So to wrap it up, I think the future holds something that doesn't include zero COVID as far as I can tell. It's going to include a combination of protecting the vulnerable with very, very detailed plan It's going to require probable booster shots and maybe new versions of the booster shots that cover variants and potentially, you know, impact on how society deals with crowds and, you know, events, you know, and technology, for example, to address, you know, not having people crowd unnecessarily. The example I always give is when you go to a convention and, you know, two, three hundred people line up in a queue to get their badges or something is can technology do better than that? You know, do do people need to line up at a sporting event, you know, hundreds of people to get a hot dog? Is that necessary? Can we do better? Should we do better? Will COVID make us do better? That's what the future holds. Thank you for listening. You can check out my website, jonathanbakhtarimd.com to sign up for my newsletter. And you can watch this full episode over on my YouTube channel, Bakhtari MD, where you can leave questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes. As always, be well. Thank you.